Welcome to Life Kitchen. This is a podcast about finding purpose and meaning while dealing with life's biggest struggles. I'm Jason Lowe, a musician, digital media designer, ex-pastor, and father of four daughters. After struggling with severe anxiety and depression for around six years, I finally found the recipes to escaping the endless cycle of hopelessness. Recipes that I want to share with you in this podcast. If you're going through a midlife crisis and you need to find your way, this is the podcast for you. I will cover a wide range of topics, including how to find purpose in life, awakening your true potential, uh, practical approaches to improving yourself, and more. I'll feature interviews with people who will bring value to your life and help guide you to become whatever you desire to be. So join us in the kitchen. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash lifekitchen and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's really easy to do. Go to audibletrial.com slash lifekitchen to get started today. Now, I really enjoy Audible because I don't always have time to spend you know, sitting in one place with a book for hours or whatever. I'm usually doing a list of other things that require my vision to be focused elsewhere. And with Audible, I can listen to some of the most amazingly produced stories uh, being told to me by professional voiceover artists and authors. It's, it's kind of like being transferred to another world. You know, I can, I can sit and listen or I can be on the move, um, but I'm constantly learning and constantly trying to gather more info and Audible helps me to do that. So if, uh, if you're like me and you can't always be sitting there with a book, but you'd love to, to read or you'd love to hear the uh, story being told to you, um, go to audibletrial.com slash lifekitchen today and you'll get your free audiobook and 30 day trial membership you can't beat that. Come on, it's free. It's free, and it's cool. Uh, I promise you that you'll love it. Actually, I can't promise you anything. I can't guarantee anything. I think that's against the rules. <clears throat> anyway, as always, Life Kitchen is very fortunate to have the all-powerful beatmaker extraordinaire, Carl Hott, as our resident musical maestro. How do you like that kind of intro? He finally put on uh, some of his stuff online, so you should go check it out. Uh, it's at soundcloud.com slash carlhotmusic, and hot is spelled with two T's. Um, go over there and share him some love, soundcloud.com slash carlhotmusic. All right, we're going to let the beat roll for just a second here, and I'll be right back. Today's podcast is called What to Do When Genius Isn't Good Enough. Um, some people are just able to cruise through most of their early life by just being dang smart. You know the type I'm referring to, right? They, they constantly get bad grades in school, but can solve complex puzzles in a video game with ease. The ones who can figure out the cumulative square footage of leaves on a tree, but can't seem to get past freshman geometry for the third year in a row. Being smart intelligent or even genius doesn't mean squat if you're not willing and able to put in a decent amount of effort behind it. All of the thinking in the world is for naught. All of the philosophy, the opinion, hopes, dreams, and prayers are just farts in the wind if you're not going to give them legs by putting something into action. So the myth has been busted. Genius requires a lot of hard work, not just talent. 
This episode is for anyone who has significant potential brain power, but very little to show for it. If you've struggled to live up to your full potential, listen up as I give you the recipe for immediately embarking on a life that will fully actualize your brain's truest purpose. Here's what to do when genius isn't good enough. Now, I'm going to tell a long, boring, personal story here, so feel free to skip ahead if you couldn't care less. Uh, I think it just gives a good point of reference for the listener. I've always considered myself to be more intelligent than the average person. Um, I don't say that to brag or boast, I just think that that's kind of the way it's been most of my life. I learned to read before the age of three and had no problem articulating my views on some pretty deep subjects. I don't have perfect memory by any means, but... I vividly remember my first day of kindergarten. My teacher, Miss McMurray, stood in front of the class with a, a book starring Oscar the Grouch and kind of jokingly asked the question, would any of you like to read this book to the rest of the class? My hand was the only one that shot up. Uh, she, she looked at me quite puzzled as none of the other children in the class could read yet. Uh, some of them barely knew their ABCs. She smiled and handed me the book as I was already walking toward the front. I was kind of a bold kid. I sat down in front of the class and began to read the entire book, pausing to show the pictures before turning the pages like, you know, like a total pro. Mrs. McMurray was flabbergasted. She couldn't believe how well I pulled it off. I performed so well, in fact, that I was immediately sent to the principal's office. Nobody told me I wasn't in trouble, so my first thought was that I did something very wrong. And I remember crying for the longest time. And finally, the principal like lumbered his big, intimidating self into the room where I was sequestered. He sat down in his squeaky chair with a thud and handed me a big stack of papers. And I remember the, the way he talked. It was like this really thick kind of Georgia Southern accent kind of thing. Ms. McMurray says, you seem to be a super smart kid. She thinks you might be a little too smart for kindergarten. Can you read what's on these papers? <laughs> and I replied, uh, yes, sir, and I can write too. He said, okay, well, great. These are tests that will help us figure out where we need to put you for school this year. And like, here I am, this little five-year-old you know, kindergarten kid, and uh, this guy was, man, he was intimidating. I, just, I still remember being so afraid of him. Uh, but long story short, I took their placement tests and performed all kinds of aptitude measurements. When all was done and the results were tallied, they wanted to put me in the third grade. My parents were like totally floored. They knew I had something special, but I don't think they were prepared for this. Immediately and perhaps without thinking too much about it, they refused to let the school place me in third grade. They wanted me to be around kids my age, you know, to get some proper social interaction. I don't think they even considered for a moment that I would probably be bored out of my mind for the next 12 years straight, and I'm sure they never thought about the consequences that would bring about. I remember being extremely disinterested throughout most of elementary school. As the kids around me were struggling to remember where Africa is located on a map, I was contemplating the meaning of life and asking tough questions that only served to frustrate the crap out of my teachers. Schooling in some parts of rural Arkansas in the 80s and 90s 
was less than stellar, to say the least. There were no programs for gifted students. Uh, there weren't really even ways to identify and stimulate anyone like me outside of things like kindergarten placement tests. Everyone was taught roughly the same subject, you know, depending on what grade you're in, uh, by the same teacher who made less than half of what she deserved. The education system has made huge leaps since then, but there are still a lot of kids who struggle to learn in the same manner as other children. Uh, Maybe you can identify with this in some way. Have you ever been told that you're ahead of the curve? I cruised pretty much all the way through high school, um, floating from one passion to another, and never really landing on what I would call my thing. When smarts are combined with an outgoing, fun-seeking personality, it's almost impossible to focus on just one aspect of life. Let's be honest, though, I'm really not that special. There are plenty of people who are much smarter than I, except they somehow made it through school and chose a career that they love, and they're doing an amazing job right now. The difference I've noticed from you know interviewing many people on the subject is the ones who find their passions early are usually in a career they love much sooner than someone who takes a while to discover it. It's taken me almost 35 years to realize what I'm best built to do on this planet. Some people are able to figure that out by the age of 12. Some people don't get it until they're really old and gray. It's different for everyone, so don't feel bad if you haven't been able to find your purpose yet. Use today as a fork in the road. Decide that you want to change, that you want to be different. Don't accept defeat anymore. Don't stay down on yourself for having failed or given up in your life. Just pick it back up and work. Working hard is the only way that your dreams can become reality. Which brings me to my next point, work. One of the Life Kitchen mantras reads, Proficiency requires preparation. You can't reap the rewards if you don't first put in the work. In other words, your dreams and aspirations are worth nothing without physical effort. You must prepare. You must practice. You must train your mind and your body so that when the time comes to recall a thought or emotion, you can do so quickly and efficiently. So let me get off track here for a minute and talk about kind of how the mind works. Um, Did you know that every memory you have is simply a firing of many little synapses in your brain? Every memory operates just like an active thought. When you think back to past events, your brain recreates the same synaptic pathways that were formed when the event happens. That's why when you think about a painful memory, you can sometimes literally feel pain. Ironically, it's also the reason why it's so hard to get over hurtful things that have happened to us. The memories feel so real, and by all accounts of our senses, they are real. And to not get too far off track, but it really makes me question concepts of reality altogether. I mean, memories are just neural pathways being triggered in a way to simulate almost the the exact same pathway taken when it happened. So what is reality anyways? It's just a neural pathway being fired. So have you ever changed your opinion about something that's happened in the past? Maybe you've overcome a past hurt by talking it through with the person involved. You had a filter of hurt placed over that situation and you had to remove it to see the event in a different way. So very similarly, we should be mindful of the filters we place over what's happening in the present. We can react with kind of like a monkey brain chaotically looking out for our own survival in every situation, or having trained our mind to be present, we can be aware of and process everything live. 
which makes us able to make a decision about how to act instead of just making a reaction without a thought. Okay, I I digress. So I was saying that you have to train your body and mind to be proficient so that you can act quickly and efficiently when the time calls for it. It's one thing to plan, but it's another thing to act. An act without a plan is foolish, but don't get stuck in the planning phase. Some people will spend way too much time trying to figure out every step ahead. They want to be prepared for every possible hazard, mostly so they can avoid the pain they felt in the past. Pain from rejection, perceived failure, and maybe some painful realizations about themselves. By reprogramming our brain to act with purpose instead of reacting based on reflex, we can start to take control of these memories from the past. We can reassociate failure into a learning opportunity. We can leave pain far behind us. So we're talking about what to do when genius isn't good enough. Now, when you're smarter than most of the people that surround you, there's rarely any reason to push yourself. You're pretty much the top of everything you do, and you're the one who everyone turns to when they need help. Your circle of friends looks to you as the smart one, the funny one, the talented one, or whatever. You're the man. But how beneficial is it really? I mean, yeah, it's cool to be needed, I guess, but to truly accomplish what you were made to do, you have to surround yourself with other people who will make you better. You have to be shown new techniques, new ways of thinking. You have to be pushed into new concepts by those who live in the deep end of life. If you've identified yourself as one of these smarter-than-normal types that I've been talking about and you feel stuck in life, one of the fastest and best ways to get out of the rut is to hang out with people who are better than you. Go do what they do, go where they go, eat what they eat, speak how they speak. There's nothing wrong with having a mentor to help you get your stuff together. It doesn't mean you're going to lose who you are in the process. So couple your smarts with the techniques and tendencies of those who experience a high level of success, and you'll eventually reshape your mind, your brain, and your body into someone who has the techniques and tendencies required to reach a high level of success. It's inevitable. That's how the brain works. If you're working to become something different from what you currently are, it will happen. It's all about mindset, work, and perseverance. Surrounding yourself with greatness is a very helpful tool. Being smart isn't enough anymore. You need experience. We live in a world where anyone with an internet connection can freely access more information than has ever been printed in a book form. I was just talking with one of my longtime friends who, yes, is much better at stuff than I am. See, I do follow my own advice. Uh, we were talking about how when we were kids, we had to learn to play guitar by purchasing a book or going to a teacher. Um, now it's possible to learn like the most difficult guitar licks ever played by a human, by, you know, by watching the artists themselves break it down in slow motion with 15 camera angles and Dolby 5.1 surround sound. But even still, you have to put in the work. It's one thing to understand what notes to play and what order, 
but it's another thing entirely to make your fingers move with precision and speed. The experience of placing your hands the right way, coupled with the immediate gratification of a beautiful note being played, instantly improves your ability to get it right the next time, and then the next time, and the next time. It's like a drug to your brain. And I believe that experience is exponential. Everything that you can learn by doing will continually build up until you're able to recall abilities without even thinking about it. When I pick up a guitar, I can play almost any song that I've ever heard without practicing it first. I do so without even thinking about what chords I'm playing, and even less about how to play each chord or what pattern to strum. My experience in holding down the strings hard enough, learning to use a pick, forcing my fingers to switch quickly and quietly, all of these things used to be extremely difficult, (laughs) and they took my full attention to master. I mean, holding the strings down hard enough used to bring me to tears at first. It hurt my fingers so bad. And now I literally don't give it a second thought. My experience over years and years of perseverance and practice has enabled me to fearlessly perform in front of thousands of people. And had I not put in the work to gain experience, I never would have accomplished my goal of being a professional musician. You have to work hard to get experience. You have to work hard to use that experience to accomplish your goals. You have to work hard. I mean, should I say it again? Okay, yeah, I will. You have to work hard. If you're anything like me, one reason you haven't accomplished all that you've wanted in life could be that you've relied too much on your smarts and not enough on hard work. When you've developed your skill set to the point of being considered a professional at something, it becomes super easy to kind of kick back with that attitude that says, okay, now the work's going to come to me. I'm the professional. Or maybe it's that we feel too entitled, like we've already done what needed to be done to become great just by learning something. I'm going to say it again. You have to work hard. But Jason, what happens when I work hard and I still lose? I, you know, I'm so glad you asked that question, loyal podcast listener. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think. So I'm that weird guy who likes to talk to himself when he's alone, right? Um, I find that it helps me to kind of keep my thoughts rational and present. As funny as that sounds, it keeps me rational to talk to myself when I'm alone. Yeah. Um, but it helps me to plan and stay motivated. Um, while driving one day this past week, I was kind of encouraging myself with my daily affirmations. You know, I say, I, I am kind, I'm a winner, um, I'm going to succeed in my goals, I'm going to help others, and stuff like that. And before I could really stop to think about it, I said, I never lose, I learn. And I was honestly kind of proud. Uh, of how confidently that statement just came out of my being, you know. Um, I've always kind of struggled with losing in life. I'm not super competitive, but I really do love to win. And I hate the agonies of defeat. Uh, The shift from losing to learning helps me to cope with the times when things don't go my way. I don't lose anymore. I learn. I learn that I could be faster or that I need to seek more creativity. I learned that I should plan better, or that I can respond differently next time. Losing doesn't make me a loser, and the same goes for you. Shift your perspective into making learning a reward instead of making losing the penalty. It really is all about how you perceive what happens in your life. Painful losses are only painful if you allow them to be. How you react to a situation is your choice. Nobody makes you feel a certain way. So take control of your emotions, especially during painful times, and you will control your life.
to sort of take this one step further, you know, I see a lot of people who give up way too soon. Um, once we experience the taste of defeat, it's very easy to let our minds sort of process it in a negative way. It definitely doesn't feel good to lose, and we always try to avoid that feeling at all costs. I'm willing to bet that most of you aren't clairvoyant, and therefore you can't see the future. What if that next try is the time that you succeed? What if your next book or your next song or your next speech is the one that tips the scales in your favor? Think about this. Uh, here's a couple of here's some famous people that um, could have given up and didn't. Um, Stephen King was broke and living in a trailer with his wife at one point, and they both worked multiple jobs to support their family while they pursued their craft. Uh, they were so poor they had to borrow clothes for their wedding, and they'd gotten rid of their telephone because it was too expensive. Walt Disney was fired early on from his newspaper job for a lack of good ideas. Imagine that. Dude that, dude that created the Disney company uh, fired for a lack of good ideas. He started his first animation company in 1921, but quickly went bankrupt. He ended up eating dog food to survive. Yeah, the father of Mickey Mouse, who charges you $15 for a soda at his multi-billion dollar theme park, once had to eat dog food in order to survive day to day. Think about that. Um, at that point, he wasn't the Walt Disney we know, but he was still Walt Disney. His drive and determination has brought joy and laughter to millions of people throughout the world to this day, but it was only because he didn't give up. Henry Ford left a really comfortable job in 1889 to establish the Detroit Automobile Company with 150 grand from investors. Just over a year later, it went bankrupt. For some reason, his investors still had faith in him, and he invested in the Henry Ford Company in 1901, which also went bankrupt. Um, so having lost all of your investors' money twice, wouldn't you, uh, would you even try a third time? Um, so Henry Ford did try a third time, and he established the Ford Motor Company in 1903. Five years later, the company became a success with the release of the Model T and the invention of the assembly line. After 20 years of leaving a comfortable job and failing miserably by losing investment money, Ford saw the success he was chasing. And some of you are quitting after one month. I think you already get the point. We almost always see the success story. We see the highlight reel of thousands of famous people who we place on a pedestal for being great while we continually to watch our own bloopers over and over. We rarely get to see the scene of Walt Disney sitting in his tiny kitchen eating dog food to live. But some of you know what that feeling is like. Many of you know it too well. It's this feeling that keeps you from trudging onward. It's easier to give up when you're close to the bottom. Easier to sort of let your life blend into the endless infinity of other souls who have also given up. Nobody ever said winning is easy. So what are you going to do to stop the cycle of scraping the bottom? If that's where you are today, feeling like you're at the very bottom of life with no way out, I would encourage you to first pick yourself up and shift the way you think about your failures. You've not lost if you've learned. Second, find a way to surround yourself with people who are better than you at life. This can be difficult if you're not the outgoing type. So go to a gym that offers a free trainer to keep you motivated. Or go to a meeting of business professionals at your local chamber of commerce so you can sort of meet and talk with experienced people. Attend a conference featuring speakers who are at the top of their game. 
Listen to podcasts that inspire and educate you to become better. These are just a few ways to get started in surrounding yourself with greatness. It doesn't mean you have to sit around all day with rocket scientists, although that would be kind of cool. Um, it just means that you should always pursue improving your state of being by any means necessary. Give it all you got. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work, remember. When genius isn't good enough, it's easy to get down and defeated. It's easy to get depressed, to be quite honest. You have to know that you already have an advantage over most of the population just by being smart. Take the gift you've been given and apply some sweat and elbow grease. Let go of your past hurts that keep you from trying again. Stomp out your own ignorance by learning as much about the world as you possibly can. Defeat the endless cycle of loss and failure by never giving up until you're satisfied. If you work hard to do these things, I have no doubt that you'll find success in life. When genius isn't good enough, just go do what it takes to be the best. I sincerely appreciate you listening to me today on Life Kitchen. My hope is that you gain some kind of insight that will help you become a better you. Um, if you find value in this podcast, I'd really appreciate a follow or a like because um, it really helps me to reach more people in the future. Thank you for just being you. Be sure to check us out next time on Life Kitchen, recipes for a better life. Recipes for a better life.